You're listening to a sermon preached at Meridian Church. For more information about Meridian Church, visit meridianchurch.com. It is our hope that this sermon is used by the Holy Spirit to minister to you the grace and peace found in Jesus Christ to the glory of God the Father. And now, here's your sermon audio. Well, praise the Lord. Let me get my my papers out. Don't worry because there's a huge stack. Um... I'll share why here in a minute. Uh, yeah, big print's part of it, but I did bring my glasses, so, so we're okay there. But um, before I get into today's text and message, I want to say uh, that it's uh, overwhelming and, um, and um, special to be back uh, in this pulpit once again. It's been over 14 years since um, God has used me to, to preach. And uh, through that time, God's done a lot of work in my life. Um, I was thinking about that over this last week of, of all the uh, special moments, all the hard moments, all that kind of stuff that, that encompassed those 14 years that, that, that God uh, had me away from preaching. This isn't my first uh, rodeo by any means. Um, <laughs> I was asked, should I have my kids strip down and run around naked while you preach? And, you know, to distract you or whatever, I said, well, my first preaching experience was in a nursing home in the Alzheimer's unit. So there is nothing that you can do to, because uh, I've already had that happen, but it wasn't kids, um, to, to distract or whatever. And so I, I'm excited, I'm overwhelmed, I'm nervous. Um, I've coached in front of thousands of people on the biggest stage. I've done lots of things in my life, but when you stand behind this pulpit, to proclaim the word of God, to be used of God, it is very um, weighty. I'll just put it that way. So I pray that that God uh, would use our time to, together today. This message has been in the works for months. <laughs> uh, Josh and I have been working on it for a long time, uh, and so I'm excited to finally get to preach it. I will tell you this: that when when I did start my elder apprenticeship, and Josh and I began to talk about what what burdens I had. One of them was the fact that as Christians, we've been robbed of, of some of the things in, that sh- in our Christian lives. And one of them being, um, you know, like communion is an example. Why don't more people do communion? And why isn't it done and, and observed properly? And, and a lot of that is because uh, most modern day American churches are afraid to be, because of the Catholic church, Protestant churches are afraid um, to, to, to be associated with the Catholic Church. And it's amazing how when you describe how our church does communion, uh, the first thing people are amazed, uh, my Christian Protestant friends, are that we serve wine. And the second one is that we do it every week. And so we've been robbed of things like that. We've been robbed by the charismatic movement of, of the Holy Spirit. Uh, we're so worried, and I've talked to, and our life group has talked about this, we're so worried uh, that when we talk about the Holy Spirit and His movement and His activity and his place in in the church and in our Christian lives that that we're going to be labeled charismatic and so as Josh and I talked through all that burden um, that's when he decided that I would preach 1 Corinthians 12 Uh, and and so I will give him credit for choosing that not me because I would not have if it were up to me but I'm glad God uh, saw fit to to have him choose that and uh, it I have learned a lot not only in it from this this passage and the passage to follow, but 
I also have learned a lot about taking myself out of the passage and out of what to preach and all that kind of stuff. So, so I pray that today um, that you didn't come. If you did hear we were talking about 1 Corinthians 12, you didn't come hoping to get a five-step process to find your spiritual gift because that's not. there won't be handouts to do at home to find your spiritual gift today, although we will talk about them. There's so much more in this chapter that gets overlooked in preparation for being used of your spiritual gifts. So that's where we will focus today. So let's read, if you would, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Verses 1 through 11 is where we will read today. Should have gave that to you earlier so you could have been looking it up. Again, still a little rusty. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 1, says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are a variety of service, but the same Lord. And there are a variety of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the same Spirit. And to another, the work of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. And to another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, as we come to you today, Lord, I pray first that you would speak through me today. I pray, Lord, that you would, it would be your words, that it would be your understanding, and that it would be you, Lord, that the people of your body hear from. Lord, I pray that as we come together, Lord, that we would seek to be used of you so that the body might be strengthened and that your kingdom would be glorified. Lord, I pray and I know that we fight daily our sinful pride. We fight our want to to be recognized, to please men. Lord, I pray that as we are here today, that we would understand that we need to keep ourselves out of the way when it comes to your working and using of us. Lord, I pray again today that you would forgive me of anything in my life that would keep you from speaking here today. And again, I pray that I would just be a willing vessel, that you would pour out your words to your people, that we would grow from it, that we would be used mightily for your kingdom. 
Pray all this in your son's name. Amen. So we see here spiritual gifts are mentioned. And again, a lot of times when this is preached or taught, it's simply taught that we need to find our spiritual gift and our place in the church. And we need to do it. And there's nothing wrong with that. The problem is we skip over the first part of this chapter where God deals with some issues that need to be handled before we get into that. Because in our fallen nature, when we do start to use those gifts, and when we do start to be used of God, pride starts to creep in. And now it not, no longer is using my gift for God's sake, and for the body, and for the edification of the body, and for God's glory. It is for, hey, look at me, look what I've done. My class is growing, my small group is godly, whatever it is, okay? And we start to lose track of what we are to be about. And we see in here, throughout the whole passage in 1 through 11, there's a common theme, and that's unity. There's a unity of the body. There's a unity of God. Okay, We see the Trinity here, and, and the fact that God is at work. God in His triune uh, being is at work. And, and so unity is a big part of this. And, and, and what's the biggest way to kill unity self-pride self-seeking all that kind of stuff if you've been in churches long you know that that's one area that most churches struggle in that as they try to accomplish what they feel is accomplishing the work of God they get in the way we get in the way I've been there before too that's why you see churches split over some of the the smallest and dumbest things. I've been a part of a church split, and praise the Lord, it was over theology. Because I know of other churches that have split over stupid things like the color of the carpet, the paint, leadership. So although the time that we had, and, and Mick and Michelle were part of that, and even Morgan, who's here today, um, were a part of that at least... That was theology that was in the doctrines of grace and stuff. It doesn't make it any better. I don't guess it makes it any better, but at least it was that. And so today as we look at this, we're going to look at what do I need to be and what do I need to guard against in order to be used of God in the gifts that he has given his church. Okay, And so that's where we're there today. Again, I'm rusty and I'm trying to change up. I have a, a speech degree. Uh, Kylie and I, or, uh, Kaylee and I have that in common. And she can attest one of the things that, or a lot of the things that they taught us in speech communications and, and preparing speech is total opposite when you're bringing a sermon. And so especially how Josh brings a sermon. is is scripted out, all that kind of stuff. So for the last few months, I've been struggling with my formal education, and trying to be proper to the Scripture and all that kind of stuff. And so I actually have my outline on this side, which is what we would have been taught to do, and I have my script on this side. And so that's why I have so many papers, so don't panic there, okay? And so I'm going to try to stay diligent to my script, but if I get lost, then you'll see me switch back to this side, okay? And so praise the Lord, it has been a struggle and a good one. Okay, and so that's where I'm at, and, and I appreciate all the prayers and all that kind of stuff. But let's delve into it enough about me and, 
and all that. Let's delve into the scripture. So we see Paul start chapter 12 with, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers. He's replying to a question that the Corinth church, the Corinth church had actually sent quite a few questions to Paul. Okay? And uh, in that letter to Paul, he's now addressing some of those questions in 1 Corinthians, which is his letter back to them. And, 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 and the, whole chat, or the whole book is not just their questions, but he does address some of the concerns they have. Some of the questions that he had addressed were about marriage in chapter 7, proper worship of God in light of idols in chapters 8 through 10, and worship in regard to preaching and remembrance of the Lord's Supper in chapter 11, the chapter just before this. Okay, And then we get to chapter 12 through 14, which is the group of scriptures that Josh picked out for me to preach through. We see Paul address what is spiritual. And the first thing that he addresses is spiritual gifts. Now, don't worry, I'm not going to try to get all of chapter 12 through 14 done today and make up for 14 years of not preaching. That's not, not here. I do have my, much like Mick, I do have my phone in my pocket, so if I get long, I'll know it. Um, so, but anyway, so we're, we're going to talk just about these first 11 scriptures this morning. But we see, again, Paul is referencing questions from the Corinth church. Now he goes on to say, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Before the Roman Empire conquered the area in about 146 BC, the Oracle of Delphi, which was a temple dedicated to Apollo, was in Corinth. And for the Greek culture, the, the oracle of Delphi was kind of the center of their religion. This was, Apollo was the, the uh, god of prophecy and all of that kind of stuff. And so, so with that said, you've got to understand the Greeks were all about knowledge and philosophy. If you, if you ever went to college and had to take that philosophy school or class, you hated it, I'm sure. Some people hate it, some love it. Most hated. I'm a history teacher, so I understand that with history is the same way. But in college, philosophy is one of those that a lot of people just want to get over and get by. But anyway, the Greeks were, were, were very knowledge-based, very philosophy-based. And for Paulo to be the, the god of prophecy, that made him super important. And in the, the, Delphi, or the Oracle of Delphi here in Corinth, you had the Pentha which they were female, uh, females who, who were in the temple, and they heard, whoever it was, the high, the, the, the leading Pentha, she heard directly from Apollo, Apollo nine times a year. And then she would come out and share the words with the people. And then the people would interpret those words, and that's how they would make decisions. Decisions like who to marry, what job to have, uh, where to move to, all those kind of things. Sound familiar? Our society kind of does the same thing with false gods and stuff. And so they would get these. There was one example, uh, one of the rulers in, in the Greek uh, uh, government asked the Delphi if he would be overthrown by a great and mighty king or a great and mighty leader, to which the Delphi said, spoke the words of Apollo and said, yes. Well, the funny thing was, it was his, or, or would... With the decisions or something, I can't remember how all it was worded, but come to find out it was actually him and his decisions that destroyed his kingdom. Okay, But they turned to that and they, 
They cling to that for understanding and decisions. And because of that, much like people today, they were led astray. They sought answers by things that were false. And we see that again today. And so that's why we see this this warning from Paul here. I don't want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray by mute idols, however you were led, okay? Then in in the Corinth, just for background, so we kind of know where these people are coming from, in 146 BC, the Romans conquer the area and they destroy Corinth, wipe it off the face of the earth, basically. And then they rebuild it. And when they rebuild it, they make it the capital of that part of their kingdom. And in that, they bring their gods, which were just kind of adjustments to Greek gods. They, they took the Greek gods and they made them a little more Roman. Okay? And for the Romans, they sought after power and prestige and all that kind of stuff. And so you throw that into Greek culture. And so now not only... Do you have the Greek gods? You have the Roman gods. You have the, Delphi, the, the Oracle of Delphi. You have Zeus and all that kind of stuff. And you just have a hodgepodge of religious ideas and concepts and approaches. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? And we'll talk more about that. Corinth, because it was the capital of that area for the Roman Empire, became a great source of wealth for the empire. Commerce was big. They were prosperous. They built big buildings, just like you see the Roman Empire, uh, you know, in the movies and things like that. They were elitist and all those kind of things that go along with the Roman Empire. And they found prosperity. They had great diversity. And the combination of storybook gods, diversity, wealth, and prosperity created an unfounded, unregulated religious religions free for all. A religious free for all. Religious elites believed to possess unusual spiritual powers, told the future, they talked to the gods, they told people what to do, they interpreted dreams, they did all those kind of things. They had elaborate festivals, big parties, mysterious things happened. All those kind of things were going on in Corinth at this time. And you can see how as Christians were called from that society, how they would struggle with how to worship, how to be used in the kingdom. And much like that time, our society confuses people when they try to use their gifts and when they try to be used for the glory of God. A lot of us, some of us are fortunate and blessed to have been saved into a church where these type of things didn't go on, where there wasn't or where there wasn't these kind of distractions and things like that. But others of us have been brought out of that. We've spent time, much like these Corinthians, in the confusion of hodgepodge religion. And it's tough sometimes. All of us struggle with, with some of the issues from outside Because that's what we've known, and that's what has been ingrained in us from the very beginning. Things like tradition, things like whatever you want to throw in there, the the being afraid of the Holy Spirit, the being afraid of taking the communion, whatever you want to throw in there, and we have got to fight. We've got to be informed. We've got to study. We've got to push through and persevere through 
any misconceptions that we can relate or that, that have been ingrained in us from when we were outside of the, of the Word, outside of our calling. And so this first part of this, it's very important that we understand that we not be uninformed like the pagans, that we understand what society is, what we understand what God's kingdom is, and that we are able to distinguish between and separate so that we are not influenced in an ungodly way by those things. Um, so he goes on to say in, in verse 3, Therefore I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says, Jesus is accursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except in the Holy Spirit. What you affirm and confess about spiritual things reveals a lot about the state of your soul. Um, I don't know about you, I, you know, I deal with a lot of people, uh, the, the, the public, as you, you maybe could say, just because of my being a part of public education. Um, and you can, you can find out a lot about people pretty quick by just how they speak and how they approach and do those type of things. And it's even more relevant and even more revealing when, they speak of, when people speak of spiritual things. Um, I, all of us have family members, friends, whatever, that are part of other religious movements and things like that. And you can almost, if you've been around very long, you can almost tell which one of those they fall into within a, a couple of sentences when you're talking about God. I have friends and family that, that if they're talking about God, it's about how he's, he's blessed them or he's going to bless them or whatever. We know where that goes. Uh, you know, we talk about, uh, I'll never forget, and I love Lori's grandma to death, do anything for her. Um, but when we decided not to have Sunday night services here, I mean, she threw a fit. She didn't even go to church here. Uh, you know, so, so, so a lot of us, and again, godly, godly woman, all that kind of stuff, I don't doubt that at all, but, but much like we talked about, tradition and rules and, and all that kind of stuff, no alcohol. At, at their house, or at least not for us, because we were going to church. You know, that, that type of stuff. I mean, you can really see people and where they're at pretty quick and where they fall by what comes out of their mouth. Now, a little bit about this passage. It's kind of weird that we see Jesus, you know, uh, where it says, and I just lost my verse. I turned the page too quick. Um, no one speaking in the Spirit ever says Jesus is accursed. A little bit of background there. Uh, some people think, one thought on this, is that someone in the church of Corinthians was distorting Galatians 3.13, which says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is anyone who is hanged on the tree. Now, we understand what that means and all that kind of stuff, but some uh, people, when you, when you research this, think there was some misunderstanding about that in the Corinth church. And so that's one reason why Paul puts this here, is that there was some, some misconception about Jesus, who he was, those type of things because of this. And so he, he throws that in there. Um, others believe that, that Paul was being uh, rhetorical. Uh, so much of the conversation in our society, in the workplace, uh, you know, when we're getting our hair done, wherever you find yourself, by the water cooler, can be telling of people's spiritual states. 
And if you are like me, I judge the content that comes out of people's mouth. And so I think a lot of times people, what comes out of their mouth reveals how they feel about Jesus Christ truthfully. Not when you're talking about church. Not when you're talking about, you know, what the pastor preached today. But when they're talking about their kids. When they're talking about their finances. When they're talking about something else. What comes out of their mouth reveals pretty quick whether they truly believe Jesus is accursed or if they believe that, that Jesus is Lord. And so we've got to be, and I say that, we've got to be mindful of that. How we approach things, even what we would consider ungodly things, what we say, what we do, how we approach them says a lot about us. Do we really feel that God is king and he's our Lord, or do we really not care and Jesus is accursed? And so I think Paul here is being uh, rhetorical here and saying what comes out of your mouth, if, if you're truly saved, isn't going to be anti what is taught in here. And we've got to guard against that. And I'm really bad, if, I'm, if you're like me, I'm really bad about judging what comes out of your mouth and then letting that stuff come out of mine. And so we've got to be on guard. If we're going to be used of God, and, and there's a, a big example of this in my life. If Coaches are bad about this, and, and I'm not the only coach in the room, uh, so she maybe can, can share, could share her, uh, Dana could share this too, is in, in a lot of coaching circles, like, and, I, and she's not never coached football, but football's the one for me. You get football coaches in a room by themselves, it's amazing how the language changes, how, the, how what's talked about changes, all that kind of stuff, and how it's different when they're out in the public and stuff. And that's hard. That's hard for me when I was a football coach. Now, now, when you're surrounded by those kind of things, I'm a football coach, so I had to be in there. But at the same time, I hear all this foul language and, and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, these are the same guys that said, well, we can't do film now because i got to go to church. Well, you're, you're, you're saying Jesus is a curse by what you said in that closed room. And so understand that if we're going to... And so those people lose all credibility with other coaches, with the kids. And, and there's other examples in your, in your workforce, I'm sure, that uh, I used to work for Halliburton. You want to get an uh, HR person to have a heart attack? Take them on a frack job in West Texas. They won't last 30 seconds and everyone will be fired. Same kind of deal. When they get out on that frack job, it's just like all morals and all that go apart. And if we're, not con if we're not careful and we're not concentrating on what's coming out of our mouth and what we're saying and what we're doing, it can ruin the work that God has for us. And our gifts become invalid and they become um, unusable by the Lord. And so right here we see, as he says... The phrase, Jesus is accursed, coming out of our mouth. We'd all say, I would never say Jesus is accursed. But unfortunately, there, I guarantee you there's times in, in our walk that we say things that basically are saying God is, Jesus is accursed. So we've got to be careful. We've got to guard. We've got to make sure that we are in every situation, in every opportunity, Fighting not to curse 
the name of Jesus with what comes out of our mouth. Another, another approach or another idea of here is that in, in cultures, a lot of times when they persecute Christians, one of the things that they always do is they make Christians um, renounce God or whatever. And so, so that's also in here, um, and that's brought up quite a bit, that pagans were notorious for forcing Christians to curse Christ as a form of submission. And that would speak to the deliverance of Christians facing such persecution by the Holy Spirit. This last week, and, and I didn't write it down, it was kind of in passing. Um, I was listening to a podcast, Peyton. Uh, if you need, uh, Peyton is the podcast guy. If you need recommendations, go to Peyton. He's the one that turned me on to him. But I'm listening to a, a podcast, and they're talking about uh, the, the early, in, uh, when the, uh, the Word of God was being uh, written in English and some of those other languages, how that was met with such um, force because those in charge didn't want the people to be able to read the, the Scripture for themselves because any time in church history, here's a plug for Todd's uh, class coming up here in a little bit, church history, go to his class. But in church history, when people start to be able to, to consume the Word of God and the Holy Spirit works, guess what that means for the people in charge? They usually aren't in charge anymore. And, they, and their ways are no longer accepted. And so it was speaking to, and, and Todd and I talked to this about this on Friday, and I still can't remember the name, but to some of those early uh, people that were interpreting or, or were writing out the Bible in English, they were burned at the stake. And, and, and so they were to submit. They were, they were being persecuted to submit. And, and you, want, you think one of them died almost instantly, because of smoke inhalation, okay? So God was merciful. The other one, they actually had green wood, and so he literally burned up to his waist before he finally died, okay? How does someone, and at the very end, as he's passing away, he's still proclaiming the mightiness of God and the greatness of God. And so how do people do that? Well, it goes back to the next. That's the transition into the next part of this, where the, the Word of God says, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. How, as they burn to death from the feet up in a slow, painful death, can they say God is great and God is merciful? Because of the Holy Spirit. And so, as we study this, and as we want to be used, and as we want our gifts to be, to be used for the glory of God, it has to be done through the working of the Holy Spirit. And that's the problem that we've been robbed of, the Holy Spirit, and it's working, and we're so scared of it because we don't want to be charismatic that we, we're, we're missing out on a part of God and the Holy Trinity that is important. And that's what this reveals. Another selfish plug, or not for me, but Christ-centered churches is coming up, and it's about the Trinity. If you don't understand how important that is, then we need to talk later. But we see it right here, and we're going to see how important it is when he talks about one Spirit, one God, all that kind of stuff, it's important. And when we leave out the Holy Spirit, we leave out a very important part of it. We, we leave out our, 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 our leader, our, 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 the one that allows us to do this kind of stuff, because without it, we're going to be the ones that say Jesus is accursed. Because the only way we can do what we're supposed to do is through the leading of the Holy Spirit. Um, I think I got all that. 
Trust me, I got off script on that one. Um, so, that brings us to the issue of Christ's lordship. Okay? From this scripture, we see that the only way we can truly surrender to Christ's lordship is through the working of the Holy Spirit. Our fallen nature fuels our need to be independent. We talked about this this last week in our life group. Um, and in control, to chase after our wants and to be the best we we can be. Have you ever heard that? Yeah. Our society struggles with lordship. And we talked about this. I'm an American history teacher, or was. Now I'm transportation and athletic director and wish I was a history teacher, uh, especially at 5 o'clock when I have to get up to drive a bus. Uh, but American history was founded on independence. Why did they come across? To get away from tyranny, right? They come here and they establish a government where no one can tell them what to do. We the people. All that kind of stuff. And we have lost the sense of being governed by a Lord. We want what we want, when we want it. And that doesn't translate to our spiritual walk with God. We fight Lordship. If you're like me, you do. And I'm going to take a guess and we all do it. Because we want our independence. We want what we want. And that's not how this works. That's not how being used by God correctly works. If we're going to be used for the kingdom of God, it is not on our terms. It is a surrender to the Holy Spirit, to God's leadership, lordship, and giving up our wants. Because here's the deal. If you're going to be effective for the kingdom of God, you better be prepared to take the trash out or change dirty diapers, or whatever, or you'll never be that. Everybody would, not everybody, but a lot of people would say, hey, I volunteer to be the R.C. Sprouls, the John MacArthur's. Everybody wants to volunteer to be used of the God like that. But if you haven't noticed, and now this is going to make me have to volunteer, it's hard to get volunteers to do the nursery at Christ Center Church. Right? When we are focused on us and our independence and I want what I want and not being led by the Holy Spirit, those kind of jobs are hard to do. I'll never forget when we were at Gatlin, John Sherrill used to make the deacons help me in children's church. It was hilarious. All these old guys <laughs> trying to do children's church, which Morgan stepped out, but Morgan was part of that. Um, and, and, and so we have all these we, we tend to form these ideas of what spiritual gift I want or what spiritual gift am I good at. And the focus as we see and as we go through these scriptures is not to be on the spiritual gift. It is to be as God my Lord and am I being led by the Holy Spirit and used in any way that He would have me to be. That's why things like the checklist of what's my spiritual gift are a hindrance to the work of God more than they are an asset. So we have got to surrender to Christ's lordship. We've got to remember that he is the creator. Colossians 1, 15-16 says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. 
When you think about that, we serve the Lord who created all. Just that very reason should put us in awe. And when we're in awe of who God is and not worried about who we are, then we're going to serve Him in a correct way. He's also our Redeemer. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For our sake He made Him to sin, to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. He is our Redeemer. And we all, most of us here, know the story of our redemption. The very fact that He did what He did to redeem us should make us in awe of who He is. And then we have the fact Christ bought us with His death. 1 Corinthians 6, 19-20 Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit where within you whom you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. As we see in our text, lordship is accomplished by the Holy Spirit. He regenerates, instills faith, gives us understanding of the things of God. And we must remember that. We must remember who God is so that we can, it helps us to remember who we are, truly who we are, so that we are humble and that we might be used by the Holy Spirit. Now, verse 4, Now there is a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. In verses 4-7, through seven, we see the Trinity united in the work of the church. Once again, we are quick to recognize God the Father's place in all this. We love to talk about Jesus Christ and His role. But we, are shy, but we shy away of the work of the Holy Spirit. It is through the Holy Spirit that He accomplishes the work of the church. God carries out the work of the church through the Holy Spirit. Without the Spirit, we cannot be in line with the will of God for the application of gifts for the service to His kingdom. We see here the understanding of the Trinity is key in understanding the work of the church. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit accomplish the work of the church. And so that's why studies like the Christ-centered church and things like that are important. Okay? Trying to hurry a little bit. Um, We do see here one body. The church is to be one body. Spiritual gifts are given to strengthen the church. And so here's the thing. When we lose track of our spiritual gift and we start to make it an idol or we start to get puffed up with pride because of our spiritual gift and the work that God's doing, that doesn't strengthen the church. That hurts feelings, that causes division, and that causes turmoil inside of that body. It becomes, for lack of a better word, a cancer. And so we have to be careful to understand that spiritual gifts are for the body, the one body, the unity, much like we see him list as he talks about God's work in the church being God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. In pagan society, spiritual gifts were a status symbol. In Corinth, the people who were given extra, the, the ones that could interpret the, the Delphi, the, the Oracle of Delphi, the people that, that were, were religious, it was a status symbol. It, wasn't a relig- it really wasn't a religious thing. It was a way for them to be prosperous. And we see that much today. And so when you are starting to, to be used of God or you, you are 
are, are in the church and, being, and, and working and diligent, you've got to guard against that. You've got to make sure I am doing this for the body and ultimately for the glorification of God, not for my own and not for pride and things like that. It's through the diversity of gifts that the church body is made complete, and we'll talk more about that. But again, we can't all be R.C. Sproul. Some of us got to be diaper changers or vacuumers or trash picker-uppers or greeters or whatever it is. And we've got to be comfortable with that. And we've got to be eager to serve in any way that God would have us to be because it's that diversity that causes His church to be successful in glorifying Him. And He's going to be successful without us. It's our way of being used by Him. And then we see Paul reveals that the gifts, their application and work they create should bring the body of Christ to be humble. If you're like me, and some of you probably are, being humble takes a lot of work. And it's only through being used of God in mighty ways that usually that I do see, hey, you need to be humble. This week and preparing this has humbled me greatly. It's when we're work, truly used, we truly work for the body of Christ and for His glorification that we are going to be humbled. Because it's when we get in His presence that we're humbled. The farther I get away from God in my walk, the easier it is to be proud because I have low standards. All I have to do is hold myself to the standard of this person or that person. That's easy to do. Okay, I'll never forget uh, when I had two state champion golf teams. We were by far the best in 3A. That was hard to be humble because we were compared to all the other 3A teams our size. One of my favorite things to do, funny story, is I'd walk into the clubhouse, that's the place at the golf course where you go to check in, all that kind of stuff, and my favorite thing to do is walk in and say, all right, who's getting second today? Because I knew we were getting first. Well, a lot of times in our Christian walk, when we start comparing ourselves to other people, if all I got to do is come to church more than you to be good, that's easy. Or if all I have to do is whatever, and compared to other people, I can do that. I can be better than most people. And when that's our standard, we're not going to be very humble. But the closer we get to God, the closer our walk is with God, guess who becomes that standard? The proper standard. And that's God. And when we are in His presence, it doesn't matter who you are, you're going to be humble. And so it's important as Christians that our walk that we persevere in that walk so that we might stay humble. Be used of the church because when you do, you'll be humbled. You'll be in a place to be used. Quickly, verse 8. For one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by the same, by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually. The spiritual gifts. Now, this isn't a complete list. There's, a, there's other lists, Romans 12, 6 through 8, Ephesians 4, 11 through 12. So if you do want to study the gifts, I would encourage you to read 
all of these and study the complete list. But we're dealing with the list here in Corinthians 12, the ones that Paul put for the Corinthians. The first one, wisdom. Spirit-inspired insight into affairs of life. Okay, All of us probably know people who have been blessed with the, the gift of wisdom. Hopefully those are the people you go to for help, for people to understand things. We also know people who don't have much wisdom. <laughs> they may have a lot of knowledge, but not much wisdom. So wisdom is the understanding, spirit-inspired insight into the affairs of life. Beyond just they've experienced a lot of life, so they know what to do. This is spirit-inspired. They are, they are wise beyond belief. Knowledge, spirit-inspired insight into things of God. We know people who are very knowledgeable. And that comes from, from reading and, and things like that. Um, not to say that he's not wise, because I think Josh is, but, but one of the, the most knowledgeable people about the things of God that I know is our pastor. And it's because he studies and he's diligent and, and all those kind of things. And if I need to know something, back when, back when we were struggling with the uh, Nephilim, who did we turn to? If, if you were a part of that, Chris, Chris was a part of that, all that. Who did we turn to? The people who were knowledgeable. One of those was Josh. And so those type of things. No, some people have the gift of knowledge. Faith. Faith beyond saving faith. Supernatural faith. There are people that are given unbelievable amount of faith. And that's one of the spiritual gifts. Healing. The removal of illness from someone. It's usually tied to forgiving of sin. That was one of the gifts listed here. Miracles. That's doing things supernatural things, also usually used to signify that someone was an apostle or, or, or something of that extent. These miracles were to speak to the authenticity of that person okay, and their walk with Christ. Prophecy, which was revealing new insight, information about God and, and the redemptive purpose of Christ. Uh, distinguishing between spirits is to determine if someone is truly a prophet or not. Okay, that's one of the gifts listed. Tongues, a divine uh, ability to speak a language the speaker cannot understand. We see that in, in the New Testament where, where the speakers had no clue what, what they couldn't interpret what they were saying, but God used them and used their voice and the hearers heard in their own language. The, the, the gift of tongues. We also have interpretation of tongues, the ability to translate the language the, the tongue speaker is speaking. And so we have this list of, of spiritual gifts that were given here at Corinth because those were the gifts that were active at that time. Okay, And again, not an exhaustive list, but, but, but part of the overall list. Okay, And then Joshua was very adamant that, that I speak about sensationalists what that means, because it's important. Because Paul lays out this list of gifts that were active during the time of Corinth. That doesn't mean they are active at our time. Because you think about what's happening at this time. God is establishing His church. God is establishing the foundation of where we're at. Okay, And so when we talk about these gifts, you have to be careful not to, to think that they're all still active. The, the, the gifts of healing, miracles, prophecy, tongues, and interpretation have ceased. Okay, And I'm going to do my best to explain it. And if I don't do a good job, I have 
some video I can show you. I can send to you. Some, some people who can that are way more knowledgeable than me. First of all is in Ephesians 2.20. Turn there with me if you would as we, we're wrapping things up. Ephesians 2.20. So, so how do we know that these gifts have ceased? I have to have my glasses for this one. Ephesians 2.20, the Word of God says, oops. Actually, let's go to 19. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone. So one of the arguments for sensationalism, or not sensationalism, did I say that right? Okay. Is that God gave these gifts of healing, miracles, and all that kind of stuff to establish the foundation, and he did so through Jesus Christ and the apostles. Christ being the cornerstone. The apostles are who the foundation was built upon. At this time, there's no canon, there's no scripture, there's none of those type of things. So these miracles, these healings, all that kind of stuff gave the apostles credibility with the people. And so when they spoke, and, and when they did these kind of things, uh, God used that to call His people to Himself. And we also see in Hebrews 2, turn to Hebrews 2, so we see the prophets and apostles were the foundation. You only need one foundation. As God formed that foundation, these miracle or, or those gifts ceased. We also see in Hebrews 2, it's always harder to find Scripture when you're up here. Hebrews 2, verses 3 and 4. He says, How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared to us first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard. While God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles, and by gifts of the Holy Spirit dis distributed according to His will. And so, so next we see there's Christ. That's our, that's our original giver of all the, the information and the understanding of who he is, then he spoke and, and, and discipled the apostles and those that followed with him, and they did these miracles and healings and tongues and all that kind of stuff. And so then from there we go Christ to the apostles, and then now we've moved into an area where we don't need those. Okay, um, and, and I know I don't have an, a lot of time and, and all that kind of stuff, and I know this isn't as as good as what we, what, what we could do with a little more time. But Christ, then the apostles, and then as the apostles established that foundation, and as they gained credibility, and as the canon came together, and they wrote letters, and they wrote the books, and all that kind of stuff, then as we get farther from Christ, the less of that happens, and now we have the Word of God. And he says, in the, in the deal that Josh sent me, uh, from Ligonier, that's what they said. We have a much better source of Christ and who He is and all that kind of stuff in the Bible. We have a complete version of that in the canon. And so we don't need signs and wonders because we have the Bible. 
because signs and wonders are pretty weak. Think about it. Um, a lot of those signs and wonders led to misconversions, uh, all those type of things. And so that as you look at these, and as you explore spiritual gifts, understand that some of these spiritual gifts first were given to the apostles to establish credibility, and then as that went away, God gave us the canon that, that no longer did we need those. Now, some of those other spiritual gifts and stuff are important. Knowledge, faith, all those kind of stuff. And we have a complete version of what we need to understand. I wish I had more time, but we don't. So if, if you want the video, the Ligonier video, ask and I'll, I'll give it to you. The canon of Scripture is complete. To say that we still need those signs is to question that this, that this is complete and sufficient. You can't say we need healings and, and all those kind of things and signs and wonders and say the canon is complete. So, so that's, that's that as we, we address that. Now, last I want to get kind of into our application and conclusion. We live in a society much like Corinth. Prosperity, religious hodgepodge, worldly knowledge, works, all those kind of things that we have to guard against so that we can be used of God in the kingdom. My question is, and, and this hit me pretty hard, is I had to examine myself and what my idols were. Not so much what's my spiritual gift is, what is my idol, idols, what am I chasing, what has priority in my life that's keeping me from being used. I think that as we go from here, if there's one thing that I, that I could challenge you to do is to examine yourself daily. Is there something that I have put before the work of Christ, the, the, the working of the Holy Spirit, the, the one body, the church, the glorification of God? Are there things that I chase more than those things? I can tell you in my life I've struggled with that. When I was a bas girls basketball coach, the one thing I chased the most was one of those stupid gold balls. I got a silver one, and guess what? It brought me no happiness. Golf coach, I won two state titles. Guess what? Two days, three days after winning that state title, guess what I needed? I needed to get back out to the golf course with those girls, and we got to get better for next year. Our idols and those things that we chase, it can be our job. I worked at Halliburton for 10 years trying to get up the corporate ladder, doing the best I could do, and we were successful. I was extremely successful at Halliburton. But guess what? Every day I had to show back up and work just that much harder because it didn't fulfill what I needed. And then I did all of that work, and then one day they say, hey, we're sending your whole group to Carrollton. You need to find a different job. All of that, I chased that idol, and at the end of the day, it meant nothing. It meant I worked 16, 17, 18-hour days away from my wife, my newborn daughter, and at the end of the day, they said, hey, you need to go find something else. We all have those idols. If it's a person or it's whatever, they're going to let you down. You're not going to find fulfillment. In the, in, the, in the Greek and Roman society, they always had to one-up. The next festival had to be greater. The next festival had to be more mysterious. Why? Because it never brought them the happiness that they thought it was going to. And when we chase those things, when we, we, we do the things of the uninformed pagans, it interferes with our walk with Christ. 
We have to guard against being led astray by idols and by false understanding. We have to submit to Christ, pursuit of the gifts, and we have to seek the, Holy, the work of the Holy Spirit. The church is to function in the plan and working of the Holy Spirit. Gifts are given to complete the body. Don't seek out your favorite gift. Don't seek to be who you want to be in the church. Seek to be used of God. Seek to not be an uninformed pagan. Seek to be someone who seeks after the oneness of the church, the one body in light of the Trinity and the one God. Seek that unity. Seek to be part of that. Then you'll be used in a way that God will use you greatly through the Holy Spirit. Seek to be part of the big picture of what God is accomplishing in the church. Let's pray. Dearly Father, I thank You for this opportunity. I pray, Lord, that Your words were heard and anything I added to or anything that was of me fell on deaf ears. Lord, I pray that You'd be glorified through this. I pray that we would have understanding of the things of being used in Your body. Lord, I pray that we would seek to be used as You see fit that we would take out our wants and our needs, that, Lord, we would seek Your Holy Spirit and guidance. Lord, I pray that as we go from here today, that our words that we speak in public would not be contrary to You and to Your Word. That people would hear the greatness of our Christ in our words and not the hypocrisy of our hearts. Lord, I pray that You would use this church in a mighty way. I pray that we would seek to bring glory to Your kingdom through you, the working of Your Holy Spirit. In Your Son's name, Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon audio from Meridian Church. Please, feel free to share this resource with others. We only ask that you do not alter the content in any way. Again, you can find more resources at meridianchurch.com.